Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A reading from Isaiah. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The word of the Lord. A gospel reading from the 13th chapter of Luke. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish, just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, before I went to seminary, I was working in the mutual funds sector in downtown Minneapolis. I worked there for about three and a half years. And at one point, the company that I was working for faced a a very difficult decision because it was time for this growing company to make a choice. So it it was going to have to grow. and, And how did it do that? Well, it had to pit two other companies against each other to be acquired. And so those two companies wanted to buy the tiny little company that I worked for, one of those companies already knew exactly, uh, we already knew exactly how to use their platform. The other company was going to have to completely build us a brand new platform to accommodate everything that we did. So we obviously went with the company that we had to start from scratch and do all of that extra work, which meant there was a lot of weekends, a lot of late nights, even in the summertime, and all I wanted to do was enjoy the weather and have some family time. And so, yeah, the hours were long, and there was a a few occasions where I ended up working so much longer during the day than I expected that I missed my bus to get to my parking spot. That was not fun. So I ended up, after that happened, deciding I'm going to drive into the city most days. I I would pay the extra rate to get downtown parking uh, because I knew I'd at least get home that night. And so, so it was that on this one beautiful summer evening, I got home, and all of, a, all of a sudden my phone started to ring. It was my landline. 
Remember those? It was my mom, frantic on the other side. Mom, calm down. What's going on? She said, John, are you okay? I had no idea what she was talking about. She said, John, haven't you heard? Turn on the TV. I already heard one light bulb go off. As I turned on the TV, this scene was starting to unfold. Fifteen minutes before I'd crossed, or I'd crossed the bridge, and 15 minutes later, 35W's bridge had collapsed. Now, the thoughts that I had as a 27-year-old were probably not along any theological lines at the time. In fact, the only mention of God in my head was probably, thank God I wasn't on the bridge 15 minutes earlier. But I know that I was left with a lot of what-ifs. Like, what if I'd stuck around just a little bit longer to finish some work today? What if I'd stopped to pick up dinner before I'd crossed the bridge? What if, what if, what if? But then what about those people who weren't so lucky? The ones who were on the bridge? The ones who died? Why? Why them? Why not me? Over time, we've had natural disasters, monumental engineering fails, random acts of destruction, which have caused a great deal of, I would say, the theological equivalent of just throwing up our hands in the air and saying, why God? Take into account other, other scenarios that have played out, whether that's the rise of Hitler or Putin and his tactics. And there are often things that happen in this world that we just don't understand. And so over time, when we don't know how to explain the awful, horrible things that have happened, we've got to come up with an explanation. We have to have some sort of a logical reason why it happened. Perhaps you've heard or used the expression, everything happens for a reason. And honestly, throughout the Old Testament, that's kind of the theology that they lived by. Basically, if good things are happening, well, God must have found favor with you. Think about the beginning of Luke, for example, how this angel approaches this young woman and says, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. But for every blessing that Mary experienced as the mother of Jesus, think about all the challenges, all of the judgment, all the suffering she experienced. Did she experience blessing? You bet she did. But was this angel here to say, Guess what? You have an easy life ahead of you? Not a chance. Now, conversely, throughout the Old Testament, you'll see these opportunities where people are messing up. Cursed are you if this has happened. When bad things happen, there's no such thing as a random thing like that. There's got to be an explanation. Everything, even the bad stuff, must have a reason. Everything happens for a reason is a phrase that I think we might throw out, and perhaps usually with good intentions. And for many people, it, it's something that brings comfort it's used to help explain the unexplainable. But I will offer up a word of caution. You see, as a pastor, I've seen this phrase thrown out, and it can be one of the most destructive and dangerous ways to describe the activity of God in this world. I've had to pick up the pieces of a woman who was deep in mourning over a stillborn who couldn't help but have people come up and say, well, everything happens for a reason. These words did not bring comfort to her, didn't lead her any closer to finding faith or trusting that God loved her. Because what did this question create for her? 
Well, if everything happens for a reason, what kind of God would allow that awful, tragic thing to happen to me? What reason could God possibly have had for doing this? It doesn't add up. So Jesus, does everything happen for a reason? In our reading today, his response might just surprise us. Because he's presented with one scenario, and then he offers up a second one. You see, the crowds have gathered because they want to hear and they want to learn from Jesus. They're so curious about him. So they offer up these different theological conundrums that are on their minds. Now, the crowd knows about this slaughter that had happened. These Galileans who were worshiping had been slaughtered by Pilate. We don't know anything else. It's probably something that at the time was, was known that had happened, but certainly wasn't recorded anywhere else but here. But we can only assume that they, these Galileans were probably slaughtered by Pilate because they were worshiping God and not Pilate. So Jesus says, well, do you think that those people worshiping were worse sinners? Because of what has happened to them? Jesus immediately re- rejects that. He says, no. And then Jesus compares a similar architectural fail to the 35W bridge collapse. As the Tower of Siloam falls and eight people are killed, did all of these people deserve to die? Well, of course not, says Jesus. But, and there's always a but, but, Jesus says, if you repent, In fact, unless you repent, all will perish just as they did. Maybe on the first glance, it doesn't feel like good news. It doesn't feel like Jesus is giving us a word of grace. It's, It's almost like this sense of repent or else. And on the other side of that is doom. But what happens when we turn to repentance? Well, to repent means to turn from our sins, to dedicate ourselves to this amendment of our lives. It's to live facing God. When we do this, it means to turn from our sinful ways, to turn from the things that might be shiny and captivating our attention, but the things that Jesus wants us to focus on are to offer up this promise that we will turn back to God. And so how does Jesus explain this? But what better way to explain what it means to repent and turn back to God than to use this example of a fig tree, to talk about it through a parable. Jesus wants us to know that he's not looking for perfection. He doesn't expect us to have it all together all the time. And you know what? Those times where we do mess up and we have failed over and over again, Jesus is willing to go to bat for us, giving us another shot to give us more chances to be able to turn back and to further strengthen our relationship with God. And the question is, why? Like, what did we ever do to deserve this level of grace? It's perhaps because through our repentance, we realize we are not the center of the universe, folks. The world is bigger than us. Those around us, The things that we do, the words that we say, our actions affect other people. And so through repentance, we know that God is in charge. We know that God is on our side. We know that sometimes horrible, awful, evil things happen. And when they do, like I consoled that woman who was mourning, I said, God grieves with us. So why God? Why why can't you just intervene? Why couldn't you have just 
kept that bridge from collapsing or held that hand up and kept that tower from falling. falling. Why, God, why do these evil dictators rise up into power? I can't help but think about one of the very first stories that most of us might have ever learned as a child when we came to Sunday school. It's about two people living in a garden, how they were faced with this temptation. And the temptation wasn't just to be able to eat this really delicious piece of fruit. The temptation was, if you eat that fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Their sin is that greed. And so when this has happened, it's not a one-time event. It, It happens day after day. Every morning we wake up. And yes, we get to start fresh and start anew. But we are confronted with evil. It is a real and present danger in our lives. It confronts us. It challenges our ability to survive each and every day. And so this barren fig tree... You know, Jesus, as he's telling this story, he, he knows that we face this evil. Yet Jesus willing, willingly comes into our sinful world and faces that evil head on. So what if God looked at that desolate, empty fig tree and said, I'm enough, and, enough, I'm done with you. Chop this down. It's not even worth it anymore. We'd be squashed, eliminated, hopeless. Sometimes we feel this from our outside pressures, don't we? Sometimes, doesn't it just get overwhelming to hear these messages that we're not good enough, that we're not doing it the right way, that there's no patience for learning and figuring things out, but we have to be perfect right off the bat, or there's no grace? Do you ever feel like you're getting chopped down more than you're encouraged to grow? As you reflect on your own treatment of others, do you ever feel like you're treating others with that same expectation and catch yourself saying, wow, my God, I've done the same thing. Thank God, Jesus doesn't do that. You see, through Christ, we flourish. You see, Christ stood next to that tree, that barren tree, chained himself to that tree and said, no, 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 not yet. You aren't taking this one down. And maybe the question comes back to, the, to this question of why. Why would Jesus do that for us? Remember when Paul tells the Corinthians, love is patient, love is kind? So is God. We are still standing here, folks, because Jesus loves us. We are a people of second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances, Sixth chances. Seventh chances. How many chances? Seven times 77 times seven million infinite chances. God isn't cutting us down, folks. 28 days left until the resurrection. You want to talk about the ultimate sacrifice? The ultimate act of giving us another chance? Jesus Christ is the reason for that. Everything happens because of Jesus. He's the reason that we are alive. 
And so through baptism, as we witnessed with Emma this morning, we are able to declare that we have turned to God, that we live and we are assured of the mercy of God that throughout this life and the next, like Emma and Levi at the 1030 service, we get to remember that child of God. You have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. That tattoo lasts on our forehead, and that is a promise that God is with us. Return to God, brothers and sisters, assured of the love and the blessing that's been promised to each and every one of us today. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's sermon. Thank you for joining us. Look for more information on faithfl.org or certainly reach out to the office if you would like to receive weekly email updates. Thank you.